Hey everyone, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about why I wanted to do this podcast. There's a lot of really great material out there about the church. Lots of books, lots of podcasts, lots of sermons. So what makes this different? First of all, there are a lot of topics and subjects that never get talked about. And I like bringing up topics that I know people are thinking about but nobody is talking about so this is one of them second I have a unique perspective because I've worked in the church as staff in a lot of different places I worked in the south I worked in the midwest the east coast the west coast and I worked in central america and I firmly believe that the church needs to do better so I'm coming from a place of first deep love for the church and what God intended the church to be and also a deep belief that it's not doing what it should be doing and it's really injured and hurt a lot of people. As I've started to share more of my story, I've encountered person after person who has found themselves in this place And I think that we can all agree, no matter what our background is, that the church should not be hurting people. And if anything, it should be a place of safety and refuge. And it is so often not that. That's why I'm writing this. As someone who has been a pastor in that church has seen some of the worst of the worst of what a church can do and has the power to do when it's a faith-based community. I just wanted to pull the curtain back on that and then talk about what do we do when we do see this and when we do encounter this and how do we move forward? Can we move forward? So thank you for joining me today. I would love to hear all of your thoughts. You can interact with me through email, katherinespearing at gmail.com. You can interact with me on my website, katherinespearing.com. You can message me through Instagram, whatever. I want to hear what you're thinking, and I would love for this to be a conversation. So let's get started. In this episode, we'll discuss the disillusionment and often disappointment that comes when you find out what's really going on behind the curtain of the church. The church should be a place of refuge and hope, but too frequently it's a place of pain, dysfunctional power dynamics, gender abuse, and abuse in general. The church needs to do better, and I want to help it try. This podcast is a step in that direction. This isn't the end of the conversation. We're not going to solve every problem or answer every question, but I do hope we will find camaraderie in each other as we grow closer to this meaning of the all-elusive concept called church. My final class, my final day of seminary, was the day I presented my capstone project. It was titled, Why Didn't I Take the Blue Pill? This referenced the movie The Matrix, which was about this guy who finds out that he is living in a false reality and his real self and his real body is being used as fuel to supply artificial intelligence. And he is given the choice between taking the red pill and 
going deep into the matrix and finding out what it is or taking the blue fill going back to his normal life and blissful ignorance while he takes the red pill and there's a scene later on in the movie where neo wonders if maybe he should have taken the blue pill he what he discovers is horrific the life he used to live wasn't free of struggles but it was a lot easier than fighting artificial intelligence After seminary and after spending at that time four years working in ministry for a church, I realized that this institution that had often been a place of healing and a surrogate family for me was actually wrought with strife, complications, power dynamics, abuse, you name it. After going through seminary, I realized there wasn't a whole lot we could do to fix it. It was more, how do we manage it? And how do we care for people in the midst of it? We can't just get rid of it. And we can't pretend it doesn't exist. My idealized version of the church didn't exist. And this was the profession I had chosen, the vocation I had dedicated my life to. I continued on to another job at a church where I was, again, disappointed. I saw gender gaps in a place that I thought would be progressive in its treatment of women, and I saw staff given a substatus to their congregants. They weren't afforded the same discipleship and care that the rest of the congregation experienced. I left that organization in pain and a little bit of a haze of disillusionment. I went directly into another church. This next church also had its own dysfunction, but because of my experience beforehand, I managed it a little better than maybe most people did. I didn't have an expectation for the church to be perfect, and I definitely didn't expect it to meet all of my vocational needs. But over time, I started to notice patterns that just seemed a little off. More than your average everyday church dysfunction. For a time... I repeated to myself the line, every church is dysfunctional, every church is dysfunctional, every church is dysfunctional, every church is dysfunctional. But after a while, I realized I couldn't say that anymore. Not in this case. It turned out that this church was full of some pretty nasty abusive habits. Abusive tactics that were continually being covered up by leadership and elders, people who spoke out against it were silenced. And at one point, I realized that my questions were no longer being answered, that my voice was no longer being heard, and I realized I too was being silenced. I left that church and fell headlong into the most challenging season of my life yet with the church. I'd struggled with the church before, but I had never been in a place where I just didn't want to go anymore. Now I found myself elated at the idea that Sunday mornings I could sleep in and go to brunch with my friends. The thought of being in church was really painful. For several Sundays following my departure from this horrible church experience, I was doing everything I could just to keep it together. I visited one church service, and during the entire service, tears slid down my face. I heard from friend after friend who had gone through a similar experience that this was normal. It took three to four months before you could attend church without crying. I have 
so many friends who have been through similar experiences and not just friends from this church that I worked for. Why the hell do so many people have this kind of experience? Meanwhile, I was encountering articles and YouTube videos of pastors being caught in church scandals, embezzling money, sexually abusing women, bullying, and the list goes on. What is going on in the church? I didn't have an answer to any of these questions, so I did what any self-deprecating ministry worker having a crisis of faith and disillusionment with the modern institution of church would do. I started writing material for a podcast. The idea for this podcast came while I was interviewing with the church for a pretty sweet job. At least it looked that way on the surface. It was a large church with a large prominent ministry and pretty good opportunities for growth and exercising the leadership and teaching gifts I'd heretofore been denied by my previous church contexts. On the surface, it was a great job. However, through the interview process, I discovered a pattern of dysfunction which was familiar. I discovered every indication that the ministry was unhealthy and that the church itself was blind to its own present-day issues. Knowing I'd recently exited a difficult situation, I wanted to make sure I was seeing things correctly, so I contacted a few pastor friends. These pastors advised me to run, run hard in the other direction. A close friend pointed out that my previous experiences in the church had lent themselves to give me sharp discernment and the ability to see unhealthy patterns before taking a job. I had learned to spot the dysfunction early, to ask the hard questions, and to know when something was off. I responded to her observation that I wasn't sure it was a good thing. When you find out how the sausage is made, you no longer want to eat the sausage. I was asking myself again, why didn't I take the blue pill? I've worked in youth ministry for a number of years. When it comes to my students, I welcome doubt. I welcome questions. I welcome struggles and anger and lightning focus on contradictions and gaps in understanding. I never see the struggle to understand as a sign of spiritual delinquency. In fact, I worry more about students who never ask questions, who blindly accept the authority of scripture and pastors without question. I worry more about the ones who can spout facts and memorize scripture, but who never cry over the hard things in life or ask God why. Maybe it's because I was one of those teenagers who constantly suppressed my own questions, afraid if I asked them if I followed those white rabbits, I'd find out I didn't believe what I believed. That was far scarier than ignorant bliss. But if I had had someone tell me it was okay to ask questions, and that not having the answers wasn't wrong, I might have had an easier time. I might have experienced a greater understanding of God's love. I might have come closer to who God intended me to be, rather than my own construction of who I should be, which was just an idealized version of self, one free of immorality, tattoos, and cigarettes. So here we go. Following this white rabbit of church, we're going to ask the hard questions, explore the tough subjects, and take a look at the things most of us don't want to know exist. I don't want to be afraid to acknowledge we're doing something wrong. I don't want to be afraid to say something's off. I don't want to be afraid to say we've failed. 
I want to take a moment and acknowledge the ones who've paved the way. The long history of clergy who loved and fought and bled. I want to acknowledge those who've been wounded by the church. Those still bleeding from wounds caused by shepherds who failed to shepherd. I know your pain more deeply than you realize, and I'm glad that you're here with me. As we journey through later episodes, I'm going to call on the relationships I've been gifted with through the many cities I've lived in. I'll bring on people who've taught me so much about the church. I've learned so much from the people I've met, and I can't wait to bring them into the conversation. Dear Church, I love you. You were the place I first understood the gospel. I didn't know my standing before God had nothing to do with my behavior. I knew Jesus got me into heaven, but only barely. I half expected God to be waiting at the pearly gates, arms crossed with a look on his face that said, Okay, fine. You can come in. I didn't understand how the gospel could and would change my present-day life, not just my afterlife. To think when God sees me, he has the same love as he has had for his beloved son. I'm still trying to wrap my mind and heart around that one. Dear Church, you showed me that. This truth saved my life. Dear Church, I loved you. I was there every time your doors were open. You took care of me when my biological family was a mess. Some of your people spoke words I think might have been supernatural. You helped me physically and practically too, with a car and a place to live. You didn't know how much I needed it, but you were still there. You helped me raise funds to go on the mission field. Some of your people surprised me with their generosity, their care. You showed up. But you weren't perfect by any means. I saw infighting and was present for a church split. I saw people at their worst inside of the walls of a church. I also felt awkward and out of place as a single woman. I felt like you were waiting for me to get married before you fully accepted me. It might have been my imagination, but I sometimes felt you didn't know what to do with me. I thought I wanted to work for the church, but I was fearful I wouldn't love my calling the same way once it was my job too. I was wrong. I loved it more. I loved getting to walk with people through the joys and mires of life every day. I loved getting to share that gospel that transformed my view of God. But then something changed. It happened slowly over time. I saw things I didn't want to see. Not in this church I loved. Can it be true? Dear church, You've gotten some things wrong. You've gotten some things way wrong. It took me a while to say it, but now I can say it to your face. You've failed big time. You want the world's affirmation, so you let dynamic speakers lead the way. You don't make sure those speakers are cared for. You don't deal with their sin. 
In fact, you turn your face away from their failings because their words are just too important. You let weak, power-hungry men run your institutions, and you don't care who gets hurt in the process. You have failed your men. Dear Church, you have sidelined and silenced your women, boxed them in, forced them to bury their gifts. You'll say things of women you would never say of someone who has dignity and worth. Sometimes I wonder if you even value the other God image bearer. If you could get away with women doing all the work with none of the credit, you totally would. And sometimes you have. You have failed your women. Dear Church, you have victims. Did you know that? Victims who've experienced horrendous abuse. Why do you hide it? It always comes out. Sometimes there's justice and the abusers are caught, but that doesn't help the victims. They've still lost jobs, health, finances, and faith in the church. You think you've done your duty when the abuser gets comeuppance. You forgot to care for the wounded, the downtrodden, the defenseless. They're still here. Can you call that justice? You have failed your victims. You are the abuser. Dear church, your staff and leaders are part of the congregation too. They are humans who wrestle and bleed. You don't always make sure they have what they need. You forget they are just human. You don't encourage them to rest, to grieve, to laugh, to love. Yes, they are the shepherds, but you make their job harder when you hang a crook around their neck. You failed to shepherd the shepherds. No wonder the flock is floundering. Dear Church, your view of forgiveness is damaging. It is wrong. Your view of forgiveness is one-sided and almost always benefits the person in power. Pain is not bitterness. Pain is pain. Someone could stab me in the leg with a knife, say they are sorry, and I can say I forgive you a thousand times, but the wound in the leg doesn't go away. The wound is still there gaping and bleeding no matter how many letters of apology are read from the pulpit. Dear Church, your view of kindness is damaging. It is wrong. Kindness is not niceness. It's not smiling and saying, how are you, on a Sunday morning. Kindness isn't pretending evil does not exist, extending grace to a select few. Kindness is moving towards someone who thinks differently than you. Kindness is helping someone when it's inconvenient for you. Kindness is risking your reputation in order to do the right thing. Kindness is character when it costs you something. Dear Church, you have failed me, but I need to ask your forgiveness too. Forgive me for thinking the misuse, abuse, and neglect of a few men defines our calling. God called the church. He will see his work through to the end. I don't need to take out vengeance, though sometimes I really want to. God will see evil punished. God will not let the dark days win. Remember that gospel you told me about back in the beginning? You, church, first told me that good news. Now I'm saying it back to you. It is not because of anything you have done 
that God loves you and wants you to bring his story of redemption to the world. It is because Christ died for you, and now God loves you and is pleased with you. Your identity is not in your numbers. It's not in your building, your witness, your preaching, your youth group, your church polity, your HR department, or lack thereof. He loves you because he loves you. That's it. You are a hot mess. A hot hell of a mess. He loves you because he loves you. That's it. This is a great mystery. It's not because of anything you have done, but because Christ delights to love you. We humans will get it wrong every time. Thank God it doesn't depend on us. Dear church, you have failed in a thousand ways. Dear church, you first shared the good news with me. Dear church, I love you because Christ first loved me. Thank you for joining me today. If you want more information about this podcast, you can visit my website, katherinespearing.com. While you're there, take a moment to subscribe to my mailing list. I'll send you details about upcoming episodes and share resources like books, articles, and podcasts to help further the journey in shining light in dark places and moving the church towards greater health. I'll see you next time.